This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore and the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today... Elizabeth Byler, founder of Eden Environments. Elizabeth calls Baltimore home now, but before they lived here, they lived in Pennsylvania, and before then, they lived in Kenya. Listen as Elizabeth talks about graduating from college with a degree they ended up not using, their inspiration to start their own business, and the invisible world of size-inclusive and trauma-informed interior design. Happy 2023, y'all. We're already off to an interesting start. I took a brief break from podcasting to spend time with family and celebrate my wife's birthday along with the other holidays. I also took that time off to consult with people who have bigger brains than me, and I'm excited to execute some plans and ideas I have in store for 2023. If you're still listening after all these years, just know that I am infinitely appreciative of your support. If you're a new listener, welcome, and I hope you enjoy your time here. Now, Let's get to the long-form guest intro. When I first started listening to podcasts, I'd scroll through my feed and routinely skip over this show called 99% Invisible. The cover art wasn't pulling me in, and I didn't want to waste my time listening to something that may have been boring. Then one day I said to myself, you know what, just listen to it. If you don't like it within the first five minutes, you can turn it off. I listened to four episodes back-to-back. One I can remember the most vividly was the design choices made in Salt Lake City, Utah that allow you to pinpoint your exact location in relation to Temple Square, a holy site for Mormons. Even more entertaining was going out in the world after listening to 99% Invisible and suddenly that invisible world was revealed to me. Design choices that influence our lives are all around us and I think it's a testament to human ingenuity and dare I say godlike behavior to come up with these things that stymie the flow of traffic or keep pedestrians safe or even make a building more aerodynamic without us even noticing them. That same feeling of wonder came up during my talk with Elizabeth Byler, founder of Eden Environments. Elizabeth was born in East Africa, Kenya to be exact. After eight years, Elizabeth's parents decided to move to the United States and they settled in Lancaster, PA. The culture shock of moving from East Africa to the U.S. was palpable, but a familiar feeling for Elizabeth was the communal living of Mennonites in Lancaster, similar to the communal living back in Kenya. Elizabeth graduated from high school in PA and attended Arcadia University. They graduated from Arcadia in 2017, but with a degree in healthcare management. How did you end up choosing that major? Because it, it seems like so different than what you do for your for your job now. It is interesting asking people what degree they got in college and what they're currently doing, because it does feel like half of us are doing something very different from that. Um, So ever since I was little, I want to say maybe five, I wanted to be a doctor and run a hospital Mm. because I was very ambitious. (laughs) Um, But in preparation for that, what I actually had been doing was drawing the floor plans for the hospital, which looking back, I find really interesting. Um, And part of my desire to go into healthcare was noticing this is something that everybody needs. Mm -hmm. And in Kenya, the healthcare system was not very good. (laughs) And so it felt like something that I could step in and fix and try to make better. Um, And so went into college pretty committed that that's what I was going to study and that's what I wanted to do. 
got my degree um, and then kind of had a hard time finding an entry level job in healthcare administration. Mm-hmm. So ended up working um, at a nonprofit instead. During your time in college, while you were getting your degree in healthcare management, uh, you were also active in the environmental network. Can you talk about the overlaps that healthcare management and the environmental network had, or do you feel like um, the healthcare management was just kind of something that you wanted to pursue because that was like your childhood dream, but then the environmental network is like what you felt called to participate in? I think that they both felt like really strong drives for me. There are two things that I really care about, people's well-being and the earth. I see them as interconnected, as being part of the same ecosystem, both being living things and helping each other. Like if we take care of the earth, the earth takes care of us. Um, And so kind of in this circular loop. And I find that sometimes conversations are focused on one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so I like bringing them both together in one space because I think that makes a richer conversation. Mm, Okay. You graduated in 2017, you had your degree, and um, you were saying that it was difficult for you to find a uh, an entry level job. So you were working at a nonprofit. Uh, was the nonprofit like healthcare or environment related, or it, it was just a, a, a job? So I had worked at a summer camp during the summers off in college. Mm-hmm. So this nonprofit worked with summer camps internationally. So kind of a third <laughs> thing. Um, which I think it combines kind of how people connect to nature, mm-hmm. uh, especially children in the summer. So that's what the nonprofit was doing. And I noticed that the space was really outdated with a mission of reaching children internationally. I felt like it needed to be a more vibrant space that you walked in mm-hmm. and understood what they were doing. Because mm-hmm. from the first moment that I walked in, I remember sitting in my interview in the lobby and being like, is this the right place? Like, <laughs> did I walk into the wrong office here? Yeah. Um, so I ended up renovating that space and actually really enjoying the process um, and especially the outcome walking into the renovated space just felt so different than what it had been before. I'm noticing this pattern where you are, are doing things in life, but you're always kind of going back to this design and to this uh, idea of of making a space better and and more welcoming. So let's just go ahead and jump into that now. Um, You started your own company called Eden Environments. Uh, I read up all about it. You got the the, the fern leaves with the logo. Um, Can you talk about your your, your journey to getting that business off the ground? Sure, I would love to. Yeah, so after that nonprofit, I went into business consulting for a little bit and was interviewing employees and they were talking kind of about how their space impacted the work that they were able to do. But as business consultants, that's not something that we were addressing in our work. We were focused more on financials, mission and vision statements, like other things that also mattered. Uh, But what I was getting direct feedback from and what I had personally experienced as an employee was that your physical space has a huge impact on your well-being. Mm And it didn't seem like people were really addressing that. Um, So I left the business consulting job 
and decided that I was going to try to start my own thing because (laughs) uh, as much as I was able to learn and gain from those two jobs, they also ended up being very draining for me and not good personality matches. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was not seeming to do well in kind of the maybe the corporate business world. I'm not sure how to describe it, but it just, it didn't seem to be working for me. Uh, so I knew that I needed to do something different. Yeah. Um, so I started Eden Environments in 2019 and created an organization where our mission is to create inclusive and sustainable spaces where people flourish. Is sustainability only about the type of material that is used to build out or design a space, or does does it cover something else? I like to say that it covers other things. Uh, definitely when people think of sustainability, they're thinking about kind of the environmental impact of things. But I also think about sustainability in terms of the business. Like, will they be able to sustain whatever design thing is being implemented as well and how will this impact them long term and also thinking about staff so let's talk about plants because that's one thing that i do (laughs) so if we bring plants into the space but nobody feels like they have the time or energy to water these plants first i would push back a little bit that they should have five minutes in their day (laughs) to water a plant but secondly, I would consider other options for them, like either a self-watering pot that takes far less maintenance or getting a living wall installed that's self-watering. So considering also the human element of it and not just designing a space and leaving it there for them to figure out and saying good luck, but really thinking through the different elements that are included in designing a space. Hmm. Okay. So sustainability, on one hand, it is about the materials that are used and making sure that they'll, for lack of better phrasing, be able to stand the test of time. But then sustainability, like as the name, I mean, as as the word is like sustainable or sustain, mm-hmm. will the people that are occupying that space be able to engage in the upkeep and you know of course there's there's costs that are involved in that upkeep so as you said you'll provide Mm -hmm. like resources or or solutions that kind of make it self-perpetuating so i think that's pretty interesting and talking about plants leads me to my um next question and if i say the word wrong please let me know but can you explain the concept of bio biophilic is that it Biophilic, yes. Okay, biophilic. Can you explain the concept of biophilic design and and the effect it has on mental health? Yes. So this is part of that learning and reading that I really enjoy doing. So I was getting into the design space and was loving the idea of kind of plants and natural elements um, and then stumbled onto this research around biophilia or biophilic design, which really means the love of life. So Mm. connecting humans to nature. And that has a wide variety of applications. Because when you think of nature, there's so many different elements that are going on. So one way is to, yes, bring in plants. And that's kind of a direct interaction with nature. Um, But there's also indirect interactions with nature, such as using organic shapes or raw materials that make you have that same or a similar feeling of being outside and connected in that way. It's kind of going back to human instinct 
when humans used to be outside more before we created all these buildings <laughs> that were in 90% of the time um, is what studies have shown. Mm -hmm. And so that creates this big disconnect with nature, kind of where we started <laughs> and what we need to thrive. There's just something in us that needs to be connected to nature. And so it's not always an option for people to take an hour walk every day. So thinking about how can we make the inside space better for ourselves and create an environment that really is supporting our well-being rather than just being boxes that we're existing in. Right, right. And as you explain um, that aspect of biophilic design, I'm reminded of Apple's headquarters out in Cupertino. Um, it, it's, just, it's just a giant ring. It's called Apple Park. One thing that they talk about is the biophilic design of it all because there's a park in the middle. Um, there's a lot of glass and each pane of glass is, is curved. So it, it just all represents one big circle, which uh, I would say would be like that indirect design um, uh, that, that makes you think of nature. Uh, and it also lets a lot of sunlight in. And that's something that I learned that I need as a person. I'm very big into natural light and 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 uh and green spaces and stuff like at my job i sit in a windowless room and sometimes it mm. kind of drives me crazy so like i'll have to kind of peek out of the door because like in in that line of sight is a um is a uh, is a window so i'll just look at out out there from time to time to mm -hmm. just get that little that little serotonin boost we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I continue my conversation with Elizabeth Byler, founder of Eden Environments. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, and my guest is Elizabeth Byler, founder of Eden Environments, a conscious interior design firm. We kind of skipped over it, and I just wanted to circle back just so I could hear it in your words. Uh, but your company, Eden Environments, can you just give a basic overview of what it does, what it's for, and the community it service, serves? So with kind of the inclusive design aspect, um, we're looking at using elements of size-inclusive design, neurodivergent-friendly design, uh, and trauma-informed design and then biophilic and sustainable, which we've discussed. So I would say that these design elements are really focused on designing for underrepresented groups in workspaces specifically. Um, I think often employees don't have much agency in their space. Some companies do not seem concerned about the space that their employees are working in, mm -hmm. and so coming in and kind of advocating for employees' well-being is really important to me. And people that often have not been included or considered in design decisions, a lot of magazine covers, for example, mm. really beautiful. I enjoy them. I like looking at them. <laughs> but when I think about the function and when I think about the diversity of bodies that exist and all the people that that space would be inaccessible for, it makes me sad because mm. I think that there shouldn't be that barrier where someone doesn't feel like they can go to their neighborhood cafe because the chairs are too small for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so really trying to advocate and have education around why that matters and simple ways that businesses can 
create more welcoming environments and create those spaces where people belong because I felt that sense of not belonging and it's really painful um, to have to navigate the world in that way. And I think our space is something that's so malleable and something that can be changed. And so not, if we don't change it, I fear that the messages we're sending that people's bodies are wrong mm-hmm. or their minds are wrong when the space is something that we could shift. Could you explain a little bit more about what um, an inclusive space would be as it pertains to uh, neurodivergent individuals or or you said it was trauma tra- trauma informed space correct yeah what well, yeah what are those yeah so neurodivergent is a pretty big umbrella and i think sometimes the term there's a little back and forth still with if that's the term that people want to stick with or not um and so things that would fall under there would be autism adhd um some mental health issues as well and just Non-linear thinking. So there's also, if you think of people that would fall into the like quote-unquote gifted category sometimes, Mm -hmm. would also be there. And when I'm designing in that way, I'm considering different sensory inputs. Mm -hmm. So not just what does this carpet look like, but what does it feel like? Is there a weird sound (laughs) when people are walking on it that could get really irritating? Are the doors making an odd noise that someone else might not be hearing? Um, Lighting is also a huge one. So considering more the sensory environment in addition to how it looks and functions. Okay. And then um, do those all kind of apply the same way? Or does that those design choices apply the same way with uh, trauma-induced design? I think that it's similar. So there is like overlap in these different strategies. I call them human-centric strategies because I'm considering how do occupants feel in the space? Mm-hmm. How do I create a space that is geared for their well-being? Mm-hmm. So in trauma-informed design, I'm considering things that would pertain more to feeling of safety in the space. So, for example, having clearly marked exit signs so that if someone starts to feel panicked and stressed, you can see the exit sign, you know how to get out of there. If you feel like you get stuck in a maze, that in a maze that can induce just a lot of fear. Um, so considering things like that, or is your the way that the chairs are positioned, your back should kind of be like towards a wall so that you don't have this feeling of like anyone can jump out and scare you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so considering kind of elements from that perspective of what feels calming for the nervous system and what does safety look like in that space. With all of that in mind, because uh, it kind of just makes my mind turn, what is one decision that we could be making now that like across the board will just make office spaces or work focused spaces spaces more inviting and more comfortable for people regardless of you know whether you're neurotypical or divergent uh, what's a good example of that or or maybe another way to ask it is like what what is one thing you think that like across the board is just would be like a net positive mm-hmm. for the human race This feels the like the if you're president for one day, what would you do question? <laughs> <laughs> I think what I 
normally say my number one advice for everyone is to add plants. Okay. And I kind of, I almost have like tiered advice. Like if you don't feel like you can take care of a plant, have you tried the self-watering pot? Um, If you're a business, can you afford to have someone come in and take care of the plants? If you really can't do any of those a fake plant will also do. Okay, I was going to ask, like, do, fake, <laughs> do fake plants work? Yes, fake plants also count. But there's something about having that green in your space that changes the whole feel of the room. It's interesting, even when I'm doing, like, 3D modeling, I'll put in the furniture, the lights, the walls, all of that. But as soon as I start adding plants in, it's just, it feels like a completely different space. Hmm. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of impact that can be had in plants. I don't know that it's going to solve all of your problems immediately. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but I think if we start to just integrate plants into our lives and even just the process of taking care of them and having those breaks throughout your day is also beneficial. Okay, well, I uh, officially can no longer argue with my wife when she brings home more plants. <laughs> so uh, I'll just have to say, like, you know, you're, you're doing what Elizabeth said that we, we should all be doing. <laughs> um, yes, like fully support. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of uh, criticism that certain design choices and ideas are only accessible to people with the means to afford it? Um, after all, the people who might need trauma-informed uh, or size-inclusive design for their business or for their home might not have the resources for it. So how, how do you push back on that? Yes, this is something that I've thought about in my business model, and I'm still open to other ideas and shifting this as needed. I think that the communities that I'm designing for are not necessarily the communities that I'm asking to pay for the design, mm. and that's intentional. So I am looking at commercial spaces and having the business learn about these different strategies and why they're beneficial, and then working with them to create solutions that are within their budget. So I have worked with a lot of nonprofits and have customizable pricing for that reason if they can only afford some consulting hours and then they're willing to do the install and project management work. Um, I'm willing to work with them for that because I think this should be accessible information. Um, I'm also trying to do podcasts, I have blog, email list. I'm on, I think, most of the social media, if not all of the social media, just trying to have a reach and give out free design advice so that it is something that people can find and know about and use that information even if they're not paying me to do the design work I still want them to know how to do it for themselves and as a consultant being a consultant kind of a good job because people will pay you for your ideas and whether they take your advice or not you still get paid <laughs> um I suppose so I do personally really love seeing the project to the end Hmm. There have been a few times that I've had to leave mid-project because they just couldn't afford to pay me or, like, the timeline went on for too long. But I like to offer consulting so that it is a little bit more accessible for people. Um, yeah, I just – I'm trying to make it as customizable as possible because each space is so unique. So it's hard to say this is 
the one choice that you have. What is coming up next for you and Eden Environments, and how can people uh, learn more? So, as I mentioned, we're on most, if not all, social media. <laughs> if you look for Eden Environments, you should be able to find us. Um, specifically on Instagram and Facebook, we're going to start partnering with local organizations to do some more giveaways. Um, so that's pretty, I'm excited about some of the collaborations we have coming up there. Uh, we're also working on developing a size inclusive webinar for businesses to come and get some more information. And, and that might be in the spring of next year. <laughs> Timeline still figuring out that. And we're also working on designing some cool shirts that I also think will be very cool and kind of speak to this advocacy and education piece that we're working on and be a way to support the mission if you don't need design work on your space. <laughs> you just want to uh, <laughs> wear a shirt and support support yes. the mission. Yeah, we love that. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and my final question for you, um, what is it about Baltimore that you think makes it unlike any other city in the United States. And and as I ask this, I wonder, um, do, you, do you live here or do you mainly, do you still live in uh, Lancaster? I do live in Baltimore, yes. So I moved here last year um, and absolutely love it. I could have picked any city in the entire world and I picked Baltimore and I'm very happy with my decision. Awesome. Uh, I've not been to every city in the world, but I have been to a lot of cities. And I would say that Baltimore has that neighborhood feel that I really like like it feels small enough to be able to build connections but also large enough that I can do what I want <laughs> and everyone's kind of minding their own business like it just feels like a very it feels like a peaceful city to me uh, I really like being close to the water I think that there's great food um, there's a really cool arts and culture scene here I love how many black people are here <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's really great. Elizabeth Byler of Eden Environments, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for having me. That was Elizabeth Byler, founder of Eden Environments. Find the company on Instagram at Eden Environments. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V. The podcast is distributed by Your Public Studios. New episodes of Local Color will be released the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Learn more about Local Color at wypr.org.